It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive, the podcast that says, who said business news needs to be all business? I'm your host, Sash Kelly. Today, it's another fast three, as promised. What's on the agenda today? Well, Simon has an update about Elon Musk's microchips that we're going to have inserted in our brains. Spoiler alert, it's going ahead. For those of us who discovered audiobooks in our Spotify feeds on Wednesday, Alec is here to tell us about how that is central to the current gripe between the audio giant and Apple. And a few days after Michelle Bullock's first RBA board meeting as governor, Bryce is going to tell us what's happening with the always talked about and much discussed interest rates. It's Friday, the 6th of October. And today I want to know, what are the three stories making waves in the Equity Mates office this week? To kick it off today, I'm joined by Bryce Lesky, co-founder and my colleague here at Equity Mates. Bryce, welcome to The Dive. Thank you, Sasha. Great to be here. Excellent. Earlier in the week, the new RBA governor, she had her first RBA board meeting. Mm. What happened? Well, there was a sigh of relief from mortgage holders, I think, as interest rates were held at 4.1% for the fourth consecutive month. The board noted that economic uncertainty from previous rate rises is the main reason for their decision. So interest rates are on hold, the cash rate at 4.1%, but it really doesn't let up the pressure that Michelle Bullock and the board are going to have in the near term. So it's good news, as you said, for Australians with mortgages, but it does mean that there's warning signs that inflation is ticking up. Yes, yeah. Now we know the RBA like to hold inflation at a rate of between two to 3%, and so that is their target. However, inflation was higher last month than the month before, which got markets nervous, got the board nervous. Consumer price index for July 2023 was 4.9%. The CPI for August was 5.2%. Now, the Reserve Bank believes that inflation has passed its peak. However, I'm sure that everyone has been noticing fuel prices have been going up an average of 15 cents higher than they were in September quarter of 2022. And also rent is a big contributor to that number there. So it is pretty painful for consumers at the moment with the price of many services continuing to rise. So Bryce, what was the RBA board's commentary on Australia's inflation and, you know, the general state of our economy? So the central forecast is for inflation to continue to decline and to be back to within that 2 to 3% range that I spoke about in late 2025. So still, still a fair way to go. Additionally, growth in the Australian economy was a little stronger than expected over the first half of the year, despite a period of below trend growth. And this is expected to continue for a little while as well. Wages growth has picked up a little over the past year, but people's real incomes are obviously impacted by inflation. 
and Australians are bearing the brunt of what is being referred to as the mortgage cyclone, with more than one in three homeowners now fitting the standard criteria for mortgage stress. One in three. Yeah, so some homeowners are now being forced to shovel half of their monthly income to cover mortgage costs after successive rate rises. Oh, okay. So as we said, first meeting for Michelle Bullock. What next for the Reserve Bank under her governorship? Michelle Bullock has been announced as the Reserve Bank governor. She'll be the first woman to hold that role in the bank's 63-year history. Speaking to her old university about a year ago, Michelle said she was very keen to foster more female talent, particularly at the Reserve Bank. Well, Sasha, the priority remains the same. They want to return inflation to that target within a reasonable time frame. So 2 to 3% inflation within, well, they've said here by the end of 2025, the board acknowledges the negative long-term effects of inflation being eroding the value of people's savings. It, it hurts people's plans to invest, budgets, and also um, inequality. But they mentioned that to date, medium-term inflation expectations have been consistent with that inflation target. They want more time to assess the effect of the previous rate rises. We know that rates generally take about 12 months to fully kick in, and we've seen 12 rises in the last 13 months. So it's really now that we can expect to see the effect of that. But some people in the market are also expecting more rate rises to come. So we're seeing similar commentary coming out of the US, which is higher rates for longer and similar over in the EU as well. And as you said, higher interest rates hurts people's plans to invest. And the fear of more interest rate rises to come has seen share markets fall around the world in the past month. Australia, the ASX 200 is down 5% in the past month. The USA, which we look at the S&P 500, it's down 6%. And in Europe, the stocks 600 is down 4% in the past month. So inflation and interest rates continue to be the most important macroeconomic story for investors, for consumers and for homeowners. This is definitely a story we're going to talk about again. Absolutely. Right, next up in the hot seat, it's Simon. We've spoken about Neuralink on the podcast before. I'm going to link that episode in the show notes below. But in case you missed it, this is Elon Musk's brain chip company. He's successfully implanted a microchip into the skull of a pig and then into a monkey. Now he's finally got approval for humans. Elon Musk's brain implant company Neuralink said on Thursday it had been given a green light from the US FDA to kickstart its first in human clinical study. We're confident that it is possible to restore full body functionality. Musk has said his medical device company would begin human trials for brain implants to treat severe conditions such as paralysis and blindness. Simon, this is a sci-fi movie come true. Tell me what's going on. (laughs) Yes, some big news. Sasha Neuralink have announced it has received approval from an independent review board to begin recruitment for the first human trial of its brain implant for paralysis patients. Loads of paralysis due to cervical spine cord injury or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis may qualify for the six-year study, it said. 
It's not really known how many patients the US Food and Drug Administration or the FDA will approve. Reports are that Neuralink had hoped to receive approval to implant its devices in around 10 patients, but are currently negotiating a lower number of patients because the FDA did raise some safety concerns. But the big news is they have begun recruitment for the first human trial. Oh my gosh. And remind me, Simon, when when did we decide that putting microchips in our brain was a good idea? Good question, Sasha. Uh, <laughs> Walter Isaacson, he's recently released a new book about Neuralink's founder, Elon Musk. And in that, Isaacson reported that Musk, he was inspired by science fiction authors such as Ian Banks to pursue a human-machine interface technology, which was called Neural Lace. This is implanted into people and can connect all of their thoughts into a computer. So that was the kind of where he's inspired, the vision. vision. But the more immediate goal is to actually help quadriplegics, so those who cannot move their arms or legs, to be able to communicate again and engage with technology. And this seems like it could really improve people's quality of lives. You can start to try and imagine how much better quality of life could be if you could use a computer and engage with technology as a quadriplegic. For example, maybe sending messages to loved ones or ordering your food online or selecting content to read, listen or watch, or maybe even the future controlling an electric wheelchair or even your personal care robot. Although maybe I'm going too far in the future there, but you can start to see some of the possibilities and how you actually could really improve your quality of life. Yes, Simon. At first, it sounds like a science experiment or, you know, something out of sci-fi novel, And then once you start to think about the practical implications, there are some really amazing use cases that you can imagine it being utilised for. So how exactly would it be done? Yeah, so Neuralink said the study would use a robot to surgically place a brain-computer interface, or BCI, implant into a region of the brain that controls the intention to move. Adding that its initial goal is to enable people to control a computer cursor or a keyboard using their thoughts alone. But let me guess, Simon, because it's Elon Musk, I imagine he has plans that are far beyond just paraplegics. What else is in his vision? Yes, you're not wrong. Musk has grand ambitions for Neuralink saying its chip devices could eventually treat conditions like obesity, autism, depression and schizophrenia. Ultimately, though, we imagine Musk also sees an opportunity to go beyond health applications. Our brains are a supercomputer. Our phones and computers are supercomputers. The biggest point of friction is actually our bodies and the current bandwidth we have to interact with our devices. So you think how slow typing is. What about if you could just think it? Imagine if you could just browse the internet at the speed of your thoughts. Scary, But wow, what could happen? And this is ultimately the world that many of these brain-computer interface idealists believe is possible. Call me old school, Simon, but I quite like my body putting a bandwidth on the speed of my brain. I'm quite comfortable moving at my pace at the moment. And it's kind of good news for me because that world isn't coming anytime soon, is it? Yeah, you've got a bit of time to prepare, Sasha. Probably not (laughs) going to be very soon. So even though the BCI device, if it does prove to be safe for human use, it would still potentially take more than a decade possibly for Neuralink to secure commercial use clearance for it, according to experts close to the situation. So we've still got plenty of time. Um, 
But I'm sure we're going to be speaking about this story plenty more and start getting prepared, Sasha. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get into training to speed up my processes. Simon, thanks so much. We've already done an episode on this. I'm sure we'll be revisiting this in the future. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. And then when I come back, I'm going to be talking to my colleague, Alec, about how audiobooks are the center of a stash between Apple and Spotify. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to The Dive. I'm joined by my colleague, Alec. And Alec, you've got a story for us about Spotify and Apple and audiobooks of all things. That's right, Sasha. I would say 90% of our listeners right now are listening on either Spotify or Apple. And these two audio and tech giants, are they've been butting heads for a while, but that fight has now spilled into a very public arena. Mm, Because audiobooks have become a $5 billion industry over the... Well, however long they've been around, I don't know how long it is. First audiobook (laughs) was created by, uh, I think, Thomas Edison or like his company back in like the early 1900s. Really? Yeah, I've read that somewhere. (laughs) Fact check me because it's just going from memory. But yeah, they've been around for a while. Okay, well, we'll we'll fact check by the end of the episode, but like kick into what's going on today. Yeah, so audiobooks just crossed the $5 billion mark. Globally, the revenue from audiobooks last year was $5.3 billion. So it, it is a massive part of the publishing industry. For context, the book publishing industry as a whole brought in $99.9 billion US dollars in 2022. So about 5% of the industry is audiobooks. By 2030, the book publishing industry is expected to be 108.8 billion, but audiobooks are expected to bring in 35 billion by 2030. So right now, about 5% of the industry. By 2030, more than 30% of the industry. So it's a big industry and it's a growing industry. That's really the starting point for this conversation. Mm -hmm. If we think about audiobooks today, there's one company that dominates, Audible, which is owned by Amazon. For people unfamiliar with Audible, it's a monthly subscription product. Mm -hmm. Apple and Google are both players in the market as well. They sell audiobooks as one-off rather than Audible's subscription model. Right now, Audible has 65% market share. So As we said, it's a dominant player. Mm -hmm. But there is another audio subscription giant that is looking to get into the audiobook space, Spotify. Today is a big step in the evolution of Spotify. Starting today in UK and Australia, as a Spotify premium member, you will get access to listen to 15 hours of audiobooks listening from a library of more than 150,000 titles from all the major publishers. And that's where this story really kicks off because Spotify launched its audiobooks business in 2022 but has clashed with Apple, in particular over Apple's insistence of taking a 30% cut 
of any audiobooks Spotify was selling. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. But for Spotify users in the UK and Australia, and you might be one, you would have opened your app on Wednesday and noticed their recent update on audiobooks. You get 15 hours free if you're a premium subscriber and they have a dedicated spot at the top of the app now for audiobooks. But while Spotify built out these audio features, they also decided to go public with this graph you're talking about, Alec, the 30% fee for in-app purchases. Yeah, that's right. So last year, Spotify publicly accused Apple of, quote, choking competition with its app store rules for audiobook purchasing. And it's worth noting as we set up this conversation that Apple is both Spotify's biggest competitor Apple Music and Spotify, the two biggest audio streaming apps. But then it is also the platform on which Spotify exists for, you know, every iPhone user. Mm. So it's both a partner in one sense and a massive competitor. And that's a dynamic that's that's really colouring this whole interaction. Because when Spotify launched its audiobooks feature last year, users couldn't buy titles directly on the app they would hit a button that would then email them a link to purchase the book on the website. Once you then purchased the book on the website, then the book would be available in the app. Lots of friction there. Lots of friction. And the reason for all that friction is if you bought it directly in the app on an iPhone, Apple would take a 30% cut. That's why a lot of subscription services make you update stuff on a web browser. Exactly. And for Spotify, who is competing with Apple, they don't want Apple to take 30% of their sales. Mm -hmm. But Apple wasn't even about this hit a button, get an email, buy it off, and then it will appear in your app workaround. Apple forced Spotify to get rid of that feature and they stopped allowing Spotify updates to flow through the App Store until they removed that feature. That's the power that Apple has. Apple said... All digital purchases, including audiobooks, need to run through its payment system and Apple needs to take a 30% cut. So Spotify could pay the fee, they could raise prices to cover the fee, but they couldn't do this workaround of Apple's payment system. And that was really the context for this fight. Yeah, so there's been lots of writing about this particular issue for years, but this is kind of the first time that one of the big players was like, This is a problem. We're going to call it out publicly. Yeah. Spotify launched a website, timetoplayfair.com. And you can go to that website and you can read all of Spotify's gripes with Apple. But it's really developed into something which may threaten Apple's App Store dominance. A number of other companies have sort of spoken up behind Spotify. They've used Spotify's cover to launch their own gripes. And lawmakers are listening So in the European Union, Spotify is a European company, worth Mm -hmm. noting, and EU has also been the hardest against the American tech giants. Uh, The EU passed the Digital Markets Act. It became law late last year and it makes it mandatory for Apple and Google with the Google Play Store, although they're looser at the moment. It makes it mandatory for these operating system providers to allow side loading in apps. In Europe, that's meant to begin in March 2024, so a few months to go. Japan is also looking at similar laws for side loading. And basically what side loading is, is downloading an app not from the official app store. You know, being able to go onto a web browser and download an app and having it appear on your phone mm-hmm. rather than going through the Apple 
app store. That isn't payments per se, mm. but these are all steps in loosening Apple's and Google's dominance over phone operating systems. Yeah. But Sasha, the important thing to note is that Apple aren't going to give their dominance away easily. And mm. there's a case study that we can look at, dating apps in the Netherlands in 2022. The Dutch government basically said Apple had to allow third-party payments. So, you know, not every payment had to be processed by Apple with their 30% cut. Uh-huh. And Apple said, fine, we'll allow third-party payments, but we'll take a 27% commission on any third-party payment processed on our operating <laughs> system. <laughs> when you think about the fact that credit card payments are like 3% usually, that's mm, massive. Massive. Now, while Apple and Spotify are publicly fighting, um, I want to close with two thoughts. One, I haven't been able to fact check you. It's come up with some other stuff about Dylan Thomas and that's a whole rabbit warren for another day. So if you know where the first audio book was, get in touch with us, contact at equitymates.com. And also, Alec, need to remind everyone there's another way to get audio books and it's often for free. Well, Sasha, Thomas Edison invented the phonograph in mm. 1877. Okay. Uh, he tested the new device by uh, having it recite the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. The first words I spoke in the original phonograph, a little piece of practical poetry. Mary had a little lamb, its streets were white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. He wrote in the uh, North American Review Literary Journal that the advantages of such books, audiobooks, over those printed are too readily seen to need mention. So Thomas Edison dreamed of audiobooks. Well, there you go. And where can we get okay. the audiobooks for free? <laughs> uh, check your local library. A lot of libraries now let you check out audiobooks for free if you're a member. There's also an app, uh, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, which I haven't used, but apparently a lot of libraries use that app. So if you don't want to try and figure out how to buy audiobooks on Spotify these days and you don't want to buy them from Apple because they're dominating this market and you don't want to sign up to Audible because it's just Amazon, check your local library. Excellent. Well, we love finishing the week with a tip. A reminder, if you want to find out a way to support The Dive, then just jump in your podcast player right now. Give us a five-star review and write some lovely words. We love reading them. Alec, thanks for joining me today and closing out the week. Thanks, Sasha. I'll be back in your feeds on Monday. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.